Hello listeners and welcome to episode 4 of Tech in Our Lives podcast. I'm your host Mushiri and today's topic is InsureTech. Today's topic is a bit different because it's an edited version of what we talked about in the clubhouse. We have rooms every Thursday at 8:40 p.m. The room is called Tech in Our Lives KE, same as this podcast. And all welcome to join. It's a place where we have chilled conversation talking about what affects us and how we use tech. In today's topic we talked about telematics and how telematics can give us personalized services from insurance. Also we dived into how telematics can be involved in emergency response and also in tracking your car and also giving drivers a score depending on how they drive to find out more keep tuned and hope you enjoy the episode oh i think maybe we can get into what you're all about today but before i do that i would like to talk about something i noticed i have mas- i noticed in it it's called idm intelligent drive master and i found it very very interesting and i noticed it it it's something on board on the car that detects how you drive basically it detects how hard you accelerate how hard you brake how hard you corner or how smooth you drive and it gives you a rating on the dashboard and some it gives you a rating as you go or at the end of the color coded if you scroll down on that link that i've sent uh-huh. there's uh, there the last three topics there's blue light intelligent driving the blue light indicates that you are driving intelligently green light indicates mild and careful driving that will not cause discomfort for occupants white light The white lamp indicates driving that will cause you and your passenger to experience excessive and uncomfortable body swings. This kind of driving also reduces fuel economy performance. Mr. Mutuko, this is more in line with what you are all about. Yes. Um I guess that's a good cue for me to now kind of just start and explain a bit more about what we do. So one of the things that we noticed um when we were starting the um, our company called iCare was that a lot of modern cars have all these extra features so we shown an example there Tesla is a really good example of people who are on the front of this um most cars like Polestar or 2015 or thereabouts have one or another um ADA system automated driver assistance system in it but then when you look at our roads uh, and you look at the cars there most of the cars are I mean if a new car in Kenya is an 8 year old import so that's like a 2014 2015 there about those are the new cars on the road the average fleet age is probably like a 2004 2005 model um and that's being very generous to to the country um and if people are driving those and then we want our roads to be safer i think we need you know better systems that can fit back into those old cars and then you know all this data that's coming out of uh these new vehicles like you know that the the what you mentioned in your car that shows how you're driving um the blue light green light white light either it might help you improve your driving but then no one will ever know that you know you go pay for your insurance tomorrow um your insurer will not go, go and check your car to see whether it's showing there blue light that you're an intelligent driver um and even if it 
even if they were able to do that there is no way of normalizing to say what does the blue light in a mazda um correspond to whatever system uh you know uh, toyota have or mercedes have or any other brand so you need to have also one way of harmonizing all that data to allow the insurers to allow the asset financiers to allow everyone in this vehicular ecosystem to be able to uniformly judge who is doing well who is doing badly on the road so you know looking at all those kind of challenges um we looked at um you know global models and what different companies in different jurisdictions have been doing that's why we came about companies like the mobile eye company companies like coma which is the company that i was saying um has a kit that makes old cars autonomous and then you know looked at the cost of such solutions and again it's it's very unaffordable for the average mwananchi in kenya because if i mean if you look at the cost for example for that mobilized system i think it's north of like 50k or something like that because it involves cameras and involves a lot of other things now if you tell someone to put 50k to pay 50k just so that they can know how close they are to the car in front of them or whether they are off the lane and they are driving in Kenya <clears throat> it's going to be a very very tough sell to people unless they are forced by insurance Yeah so I think from there we we looked at simpler solutions about people that that the people are used to and you know tracking gadgets are things that are very common if you buy a car on loan um all the asset financiers will put a tracker in your car um so we started investigating a bit more about like what else can you do with trackers what can you build around that and so my co-founder and I started looking at the AI side of things so if you're pulling this data what are you able to do and we found that you can do a lot of very interesting things with just a very simple tracker because once you put that in there you're able to know where the person's driving how fast the person's driving and if you're collecting enough data you can also tell how they're maneuvering the vehicle so if you're you know taking aggressive corners you are the kind of people who speed and then brake very harshly you are the kind of people who want to accelerate off your lights like very quickly all those are things that you can tell and then once you have enough vehicles and enough data you can actually start clustering people around the behaviors so you can look at all the different behaviors put that together um use machine learning and then come out with well this guy got an accident and these 20 other people drive like that guy who got an accident this other person here was close to getting accidents and these 20 other people drove like him this person here like seems to find himself in sticky situations um and these 20 other people drive like him and this other person here like you know never gets into any bad situations seems to always be in control of the car and um these other i don't know 10 20 50 other people drive like them and now with that you're able to properly profile people and start providing products in the market that encourage safer driving on the roads because now if you're able to cluster those bad drivers together instead of uniformly saying that as the insurer said put out something a week ago two weeks ago saying that the uh, insurance rates will go up by up to 50% you can now say you know that bad group there your insurance rates will double but this good group here your insurance rates will actually go down so now that's encouraging people to move in that direction that's one of the actions that people can take another action that people can take would be 
creating different kinds of products that encourage you know like right now there's so many cars on the road due to the fact that first of all public transport doesn't work well and you know overall you know people are saying fuel is expensive but if people can afford to be driving one 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 person in the cars if you look at how the car road looks like then it means people are not being pressed enough or so basically it's a bit it's cheaper to to get a car on the road now if you want to penalize people for that again using this kind of driver aids you're able to come up with better ways of punishing people who are in the road at the wrong time another way that you can also utilize this is creating insurance products that are more around how you utilize your vehicle so someone might have a vitz that they use for daily driving and a prado that they only use on sundays to go to church now that vitz will be paying the same uh, premium whatever it is three percent four percent as that prado which only goes out on sundays at three percent four percent for comprehensive cover which is not fair for that vehicle that is a weekend drive car so what you can do you can create products around mileage so instead of now buying insurance on an annual basis you're now buying insurance for every kilometer driven so for that weekend drive car i mean if you're going to cover 2000 3000 kilometers a year with it you'll get very cheap insurance for the vets that you're going to be using every day and you'll cover you know 12000 kilometers then the insurance will be more expensive but also relative to the value of the car it will still be your overall insurance spend for the two cars will be lower than if you're paying an annual premium for the Vits and an annual premium for the Prado. So it's things like this that got us interested in going a bit further and and a bit deeper into how can we now help insurers provide this kind of services to people. Even same thing for the asset financiers. The only reason they put a tracker in your car is so that the day that you don't pay the loan, the first question will be, where does this person live? Where is this car parked so I can go and repossess it? But what if they took a more proactive approach around making sure that that vehicle is being well treated? So if someone went and uh, took a loan to start doing Uber, and you know the person's utilizing the car badly, like they're hitting portals at high speeds, you already know that this person's going to get a high maintenance bill, which will make it difficult for him to work, which will make it difficult for him to pay back the loan. But if you're able to observe that this person is driving badly, um, hits portals all the time, and you start warning him around that or tell him that you know your interest rate will go up on your loan if you continue doing this, now you are incentivizing that person to drive better which means that he's more able to pay back your loan, which then means that that vehicle will not be repossessed. So there's a lot of like positive that comes out of that sort of policing that can now be put in contracts to help improve the overall road safety of the country. And that's kind of what we've been working on. I think I've talked a lot. Maybe if there's questions or comments around that kind of stuff, we can uh, we can, can hear from you guys. From your website, I see you are... Um more or less of a data company, right? Yes. And you sell software, as in SaaS, software as a service is whereby, if I understand correctly, is whereby people are supposed, or companies for this matter, are supposed to use your software to get some benefits. It's like you lend them the software. Yes, because as the example I gave, um, you know, you could have a hundred cars today and your machine learning algorithm now knows you know driving in nairobi looks like this 
but once you've gotten a thousand vehicles you can continue tweaking your machine learning algorithms so that you can give an even better service to your clients and at 10,000 vehicles you've learned even more about Nairobi at 100,000 vehicles you've learned even more and more and more and so to allow that sort of continuous development and continuous improvement of the solution it has to be sold on a you know a SaaS model as opposed to buying one off because if you're buying one off, first of all, it's really expensive to, to develop these kinds of products. So the cost will be unaffordable for that one off purchase. And then when you look at the long term implications where this technology is constantly evolving and improving, how do you get those improvements if you paid a one off cost for your for your service? At least that's how we look at it from our side. So from what I understand that your clients are like insurance company, as you had mentioned, banks, or maybe let's say I have a fleet of buses and I want to monitor them, like monitor my drivers and, and such. Is that true? So that's where we started off. But as we've been continuing, we're actually going to launch a B2C product. So uh, for everyone, we're starting off with a very, very niche proposition. Um, we went around and looked at all the parents um, that have their kids dropped in school by a third party. Um, maybe they have a driver who drives their car or, you know, the neighbor or the carpool once in a while and people want to know their kids are safe. So it also applies to think, things like school buses. And, you know, at the moment, there's really no good solution in the market for those parents, right? They, they just mm-hmm. hope and pray that their kids get to school fine, kids get back from school fine. It's not like your five-year-old kid will come and tell you, you know, um, we almost had an accident today or uncle was driving really fast. Maybe once in a while you get lucky and hear that, but it's unlikely you'll get told that. And it was very interesting because one of our early customers just put the, the device in for anti-theft purposes. And then two or three months in, they came back and told us that they had fired their driver who was driving the, the kid to school. And that was because they had noticed that the driver score for the driver was terrible. And there was a lot of places where he was getting into near accidents. And so she'd come back in the evening, has seen that on the telemetry that our report gives her, go and question the driver. And, and then the driver is now wondering, how the hell did you know this? So. She came back and told us that was her use case. So, and we, we went around, did a bit of market survey, and there's a lot of people interested in that. We also talked to people around safety. So people are paying for services like rescue, where uh, an ambulance can be sent to you at no charge. But the problem is you pay for rescue or E-plus from Red Cross. You pay for that, but what you expect is when you get an accident, someone will come, check your car, see a sticker there and call Red Cross for the ambulance to come for you. And that's time that's very valuable when, you know, when you're in an accident, when your life needs to be saved. So what you've done is because with the telemetry, we can tell there's an accident, we've already linked up to a network of ambulances. And so this BTC product is a safety product where if there's an emergency, ambulance will be sent to you immediately. If they, if you're driving the vehicle, you get driving scores for everyone who's driving that vehicle so you get to know who is safe on the road who's not safe on the road and coaching around how to improve your driving behavior okay and what exactly is it put on the car like how big is it how how complicated is it to install how, how many gadgets are installed so i mean when, when you just look at the general telematics field i mean there's a whole there's millions of devices out there 
So we spent some time trying to pick one that is available enough in the country and easy enough to install. It's less than, I mean, like half the size, quarter the size of a phone or a third of the size of a phone. Actually, like, yeah, maybe a bit bigger than Matchbox. Wow. And, and the idea is like it's that small so that it can be hidden in a place where if that car is stolen, that thief is going to spend forever looking for that, which then gives you a chance to be able to utilize the data there to recover your car effectively. In terms of installation, I mean, there's a lot of different options. Um, there are things called OBD uh, devices. They, go, they fit onto the onboard diagnostics port. The only problem with those that we found was that Imagine you're driving and every day when you're driving, you're seeing that and you're seeing Mutuko's company is watching where I am. Mutuko's company knows where I am. You know, you get like very uncomfortable seeing that device there every single day. So we went for a wired device that's a bit more hidden. So that once that device is in your car, maybe the first like 30 minutes it'll annoy you, but then you go around about your driving behavior without a worry after that because you just get used to it. And, and how does it communicate? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it communicates with your servers. It communicates with our servers just through the regular networks. We tried the different telecom providers, and I guess you can you, know, you can guess the, the, the one that was giving a good enough network for us to be able to, to move it was Safaricom. So I think across the journey of building the, the solution, we've really learned a lot also about the telecommunications, the connectivity, things that you take for granted. So the, the network coverage, for example, for Airtel is is quite spotty across Nairobi. So they might they may have like a coverage across Nairobi, but it's very spotty. Telecom is even worse. Uh, Safaricom has been good to us so far. So that's why we went for that. Is the data in form of SMS? No, it's a uh, streaming data. So there's special SIM cards, IoT SIM cards, which are being introduced into the market. So if you have a data-only application, um, the Communications Authority has given a directive that those are the SIM cards to be used. So if you look at your electric meters, if you're looking at um, any other thing that uses that's required to push data out without any voice or SMS, they, they specialize SIM cards for those, and they also have their own kind of numbers. Wow, long time coming because I'm assuming that any IoT that is remote will be using such kind of SIM cards. Exactly, yeah. And even for us, when we look at our, you know, growth and where we want to head to, I'll start off with insure with motor insurance because that's where we are. With motor insurance, if you look at what they're doing now, they look at the the type of vehicle, they look at the value of the vehicle, and then they have a blanket rate across the board, which, as I mentioned earlier doesn't utilize all the other data points that they have that are more accurate about you as an individual driver but you know the same concept can be extended to i don't know home insurance so if you have a smoke alarm in your house and that smoke alarm is fitted with that gadget and it's saying that that smoke alarm is perfectly on at all times if you're trying to get fire insurance for that house it will be very cheap because you constantly know as the insurer that that house has a smoke alarm so you know when fires happen they'll be noticed immediately if you look at health um, a lot of people have smart watches right now and and those smart watches are great um, you know you're showing off your latest apple watch but you know the beauty of that is if it's measuring your vitals and you have a steady baseline of what your vitals should be like and then something small is a bit off and you have machine learning algorithms in the back end you know, crunching numbers around that, 
then you can catch disease way before um, anything bad happens. So for an, from an insurance perspective, it's a great result. So they don't have to pay for your long-term hospital bill. It may be that all you need to do is take drugs or you know exercise more or itugali like some of our guys over here right now. Like that kind of thing is what you'd have a lot of preventative measures as opposed to reactive measures, which is what we have now. And insurers would love that. So for me, IoT is a way of bringing down the risks when you look at it from the insurer side and preventing things before they happen. That's the extension to which we want to push use of IoT. Let's say you detected like a high impact accident. Maybe you detected like 50G, 50G impact how quickly do you know there's that impact? Like, what's the the latency? I guess like there's going to be a lot of caveats, but I'll start off by saying we know that immediately. By immediately, I mean that the way our devices are configured, there's two levels of checks. So first, when the raw data is is pushed back to our to our servers, which right now I think we have a 10 second lag, simply because we wanted to be able to push a lot more data and you didn't want to strain the devices a lot so within the 10 seconds our servers will get it but the device itself also has a trigger that we've configured so the the circuitry in the device is able to tell well i think this is a crash and even send more detailed Um, so rather than sending for example per second data it sends 24 data points every second um, as soon as it detects it's it's in a crash now once we've received all that data we've through an api already uh, interfaced with uh, the ambulance dispatch company and we have our own ratings for what uh, different G's mean. So maybe 30G might be like likely a, a concussion, I don't know, 50G is something else, 100G is something else. Um, and I'm giving you random numbers because I'm not the, 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 the CTO here, he's on who picks the numbers. But with that, then you give the ambulance dispatch guys some idea of what to expect. Are we going there expecting, you know, someone has a light cut? Are we going there expecting that someone may need to be rushed to the ICU immediately if they're still alive? So things like that are what we now send back to the ambulance dispatch partners as opposed to, you know, if you get a crash, for example, at midnight on Gong Road, it might be five minutes before, maybe Ngong Road might be a bit better, but you know, it could be five, ten minutes before anyone passes by. And when someone passes by, they might just post it on Twitter or somewhere or call but not give good directions. So by the time an ambulance gets there, it's usually like 30, 40 minutes in. Whereas with our technology, the ambulance knows less than a minute after your accident where you are, exactly where you are, what happened. And so they're already preparing. And then we also ask people who sign up for the service to say their preferred hospital. So you're able to immediately get sent to the hospital you want. And also your family who's waiting for you are informed that, yeah, this guy has been in an accident or whoever was driving that car has been in an accident. So now, you know, if there's any critical decisions to be made, your family also knows, yes, accident has happened. Someone is being taken there. So even you are rushing towards that. So response time, like I think it saves lives with these kinds of solutions. Wow, wow, wow. I see. Anybody? Linda? Yes. Uh, we've been listening. Yes, yes. What do you think? I think it's something I can explore. One of the reasons I started this, this space is because 
as I was telling him, I believe that tech can solve a lot of our problems. It's just that we try to, to put tech and our lives in a separate compartment. Mm-hmm. The tech is here to stay and it is it is a part of us. And it's it's about time we find ways to take advantage of it. Because you, as Mr. Mutuko has explained, there are so much benefits. If I don't know if anybody has questions because I have another set of questions I would like to ask. But before I continue, I would like somebody else, if Akonaswali, or comment. One thing I can add before your question um, that I find really interesting, if you look at the development of phones and you know payment services, in the West, they all went for high-tech solutions around apps and things like that. Whereas here, because a lot of us had feature phones, we developed a very robust solution in M-Pesa and you know very low-cost, cheap solution that's worked very well eh, to, to improve financial inclusivity. So you don't have to go for the most complex tech, like some of the very, very simple tech. And we, we picked a device that's probably like a 2010, 2012, you know, kind of device without like a lot of fancy bells and whistles. But what we can do with it to change people's lives here is incredible. So again, rather than looking at, you know, NASA space kind of stuff, or uh, you look at some of the latest cars and some of the technology jammed in there and you're like, wow, when will we ever get here? With very simple tech, you can still do a lot. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now I want us to go from the to, to the, the user perspective, whereby like some some of the benefits that uh, as as users might see if let's say let's say my insurance my insurance has has your service. What maybe what kind of packages do I expect? Maybe depending on uh, maybe my uh, how I drive or I don't know if you have ever sat down and think of, of about the packages that can be offered then that are not present now yeah i mean like we're we're developing products i think the, the hardest thing is to like we have a lot of insurers interested that we are working with and you'll probably see something in the you know in the, in the coming months with the different insurers the, the first product that we really want to push out is the per kilometer based insurance I think right now, the biggest problem ever since COVID started, and particularly for people who have the opportunity to work from home, has been, you know, feeling ripped off by paying for insurance that you don't use if your car is not moving a lot. So if you're able to pay for the kilometers you're driving, I think that gets very fair. The second thing will be around, and I'm just giving you the order in which, you know, customers will start benefiting. So per kilometer is an immediate benefit because you can pick how many kilometers you feel like you will drive and then pay exactly for that as opposed to paying for a whole year where you're barely using the car. The next benefit I think will be around claims. Right now, one of the biggest problems for insurers is trying to verify that, uh, you know, an accident happened the way you're saying it happened. Now, if you're able to give them independent reports, um, the telemetry showing, yes, this person was driving on this road at this time, they tried to take avoiding action, they were not speeding, then, you know, the insurer doesn't have a lot of time to waste there. The investigation is really quick. Now, the other side around the garages and everything else, that might be a bit more difficult to fix. But if you create products where you, where you allow the insurer to make a very quick decision about fault and, and that, then that theoretically should shorten the amount of time it takes for a claim to get processed. Then, you know, moving on from there, as we gather more data and learn more about you, then with the driver profile and knowing how well or how badly you've been driving, when it comes to your renewal, we can now create products around how well someone has driven. 
so now your insurance premium for a good driver will go down and you know that can only be counterbalanced by bad drivers insurance going up or you can do things like rewards where if you're a good driver i don't know you get two bob off fuel for the whole of next year that kind of thing is now the the, the the kind of things that we see in the long term encouraging better driving behavior and also giving benefit back to customers for being good on the road wow now here you have introduced something else is whereby you are using tech and it, it sorts of fall into changing behavior I want to go a bit off topic, Dogo. What do you think about the use of tech to change people's behavior? Because what you're essentially doing is that is you, you want people to, to drive better, to be much safer. But at the same time, somebody might use tech to change behavior in in another way. Maybe, maybe I can pick your brain on that. Well, I think from a positive perspective, tech has the potential of you know changing society for the better a lot like if you look at tech from the perspective of film for example a lot of stuff has changed with regards to how you know our culture how we interact and everything else just from watching hollywood movies netflix has changed the way we appreciate tv now people are more likely to binge on a season rather than wait week after week after week after week in, in South Africa, there's this really good example from an insurer called Discovery. They have a program called Vitality where, you know, it started off with small things like encouraging you to go to the gym and that will lower your health insurance. Then it went to getting partner insurers, sorry, partner stores where if you go and buy salad for, for lunch and you swipe your card there that you bought a salad, then it looks like you're eating healthy. So that lowers your, your bill to the point where I was being told by some of the people that you'd go to a shop and you'd buy groceries and you'd put the healthy stuff and then put your card and then the unhealthy stuff you give someone who's not on the vitality program just so that you can keep your vitality points up. People who are really into that program. And then it went all the way to the vitality program started giving people things like a smartwatch. So now they can tell if you do more than 10,000 steps then or 5,000, whatever their threshold is, then you get an added benefit, more vitality points, which means your insurance for health is lower. And so that whole ecosystem of people have now has now changed people's behavior to the point where, yes, now I'll be walking more to get to my 10,000 steps. When I go to the shop and I want to buy that chocolate cake, I'll also be looking for salads to buy things like that that help improve the health of individuals on the on the car side it's very easy to see the the one of the big telematics companies globally has given their stats that like people improve 15% in their driving in the first year of the telematics program so you can imagine like a 15% improvement in driving means and, and if that was for PSVs in Kenya looking at how many people died last year you know just close to 5,000 people died, a 15% improvement means what, like 900 odd people or 800, 750 people might not have died just by improving the driving behavior of people by 15%. Wow. I really want, guys, I don't know why people don't want to talk and ask questions. Like this. I'm, I'm wondering, eventually we are moving to self-drive vehicles and, and I'm just wondering how, how this how this new technology is going to impact that like you're not going even to be driving your own vehicle so how do you 
say this is a driver's pattern of uh, driving and how does that impact on the on that tech for for gauging how much premium you're supposed to pay on insurance so there's i guess i get two ways of answering this the first one is the amount of time between now and uh, full self-driving i mean if in the most advanced economies they're still five to ten years away from you know full self-driving i know there's some small cities that are piloting it in different ways but before it's like legally allowed for every car to be there they're about 10 years away now you look at us and look at how many roads are well marked and even if they're well marked how many signposts are stolen you know how many times do bumps appear overnight in a certain road so it's still a long way to go and we still need to be doing something to save people's lives now as the cars keep improving. So that's one dimension. The second dimension to look at is, you know, for self-driving to happen, we need to have a body of data about how people are driving. And right now, you know, the Western countries already have a big body of data about how people drive in uh, the US, the UK. Where are they going to get data about how people drive in Kenya for them to make self-driving cars that you know mimic how we think about our road usage and culture around driving right because it's not uniform everywhere you'll go to cities where no one thinks about overlapping yet here like when one person overlaps it's kind of common here so there's a lot of cultural elements also around how people drive you know you, you'll go to a city and find people leave a big gap between cars You'll go to another city not far from each other, even in Europe, and you'll find people use the bumpers for what they are called bumpers. Like you will go until you touch the other person's bumper. So things like that, understanding those kind of driving behaviors, driving cultures will only come from um, initiatives like these. And then that's what will feed into the autonomous driving. Because remember, even as we start getting into autonomous driving, there'll be a long period between where people are still driving vehicles and other cars are driving them. You get to full self-driving when no one is allowed to operate the vehicle. So during that whole transitionary period, the automated cars will need to be able to understand how the non-automated cars are being driven. And that data will only come from initiatives like this one. Oh, thank you. Uh, Just one more. I I don't know whether you'd covered this while I was uh, on another call. You realize that cars are shared a lot between family members here in our country and insurance um, is on the vehicle or not on the person so like the data you you're pulling for that specific vehicle could belong to multiple drivers how how is that covered so again here i think there is two things one like i think it's a benefits to us as a company makes life so much easier that it's the asset that is insured so from our perspective like the aggregate behavior of everyone driving that vehicle is what we are interested in because that's what shows us the level of risk that vehicle brings into the ecosystem so from an insurance premium perspective the aggregate score that car is what matters now one of the things that we're also doing and one of the ways in which we are pushing technology to you know the next level one of the ways we are advancing global knowledge is we're trying to do something called driver signatures my co-founder is an ai phd and one of the things that you know people are studying a lot is the fact that everyone has a unique way of how they press a pedal when they're accelerating, braking, cornering, even if you're all doing a great job, 
there's unique things, unique patterns around how everyone drives. So with the data we've collected, we're working really hard at producing good driver signatures. And with that, we'll be able to come and say, well, this car looks like it's driven by four different people. So those four different people require four different corrective mechanisms if they're doing something wrong in their driving. And we believe that by some point at the end of this year or early next year, with the kind of research we're doing and pushing the edge of that, you know, we should be able to produce a good solution around that, which then also puts us in a good place to be able to show now it's not technology coming from the outside in. We're also able to push advancements in technology from Kenya going out to the Europe's and the Americas. Oh, thank you. Good stuff. Hey, as Levis said, I want to add on what Levis was, was asking. Let's say I have three family members who drive my car and there's maybe one and then a choma. Can we know, like among us three, can we know like, hey, this, this guy, maybe this one, is going to like increase our premiums or it's going to put us in danger. Is there a way that even if after you have implemented a way of finding out who is driving, is, is there a way of like pointing out who, who this person is? So before we get driver signatures ready, there's still a way of telling. Remember I told you the story about our client who was able to fire their driver because they drove badly? Well, that was a yeah. family car. So the drivers of that car were the lady, her husband, and the driver and she could see what the aggregate score was and she's a very competitive person so she was able she was seeing that score and she wasn't liking the score much and so she'd go and look at every single trip because we grade trips we grade every individual trip and then we also give you like an overall score so she'd go and do the look back of every score and find it the score for every trip and consistently the driver is the one who had the lowest scores so then she'd click on the driver's trip and then see how many exceptions there were on that particular trip. And she could see that, yeah, this person has a lot of incidents in the, in the trips and that's how they, the, the driver got fired. So from a family level, just by looking at our dashboard and looking at the different trips, you'll be able to tell who consistently scores lowest because you as a family know who had the car yesterday. Okay. I didn't know how accessible the dashboard is or the info available on the dashboard. Can you tell us more about that? So the, the dashboard has uh, scoring on the five parameters. So we measure your acceleration, your braking, your cornering. Then we also look at like the speed profile. So whether you speed or not. And then finally, we look at whether you drive fatigued or not. So fatigue is really um, low tech. All we just look at is how long are you driving without taking a break. Then all those parameters um, with our own proprietary formula are added up together into one overall score, which then says how safe or how unsafe are you as a driver on the road. And so with this score, every single trip that you do is graded in, in, on those metrics. And on the dashboard itself, you're able to see those scores for every single trip. And then you're able to see those scores on a global level. So you can look back, you know, scroll back to any day ever since you signed up with us and, and see every trip that you've done. Wow. I need more questions. Harris? I, I actually think it's a very good idea from me from the point of that. It also helps you to gauge yourself, your driving behaviors with others the market or just generally you as a person if you're an aggressive driver or just a more calm laid-back driver so i'm even looking at it now just what Motuka just talked about from a high level in terms of 
artificial intelligence, uh, telematics, and all this, and also robotics. This just maybe just an idea, or maybe there's something which you can also brainstorm about uh, in the future. Uh, through use of robots uh, to be able to to initiate claims so that it can be able to provide real-time information and reduce cases of collision between drivers and police writing wrong abstracts that lead to fraudulent claims in insurance. So maybe having robots and actuators through an actuator can be able to trigger a request to be able to raise a claim in case an accident happens. But it's just something to brainstorm about and looking from a point of either the fixing a gadget within the vehicle depending on the level of impact, maybe it has a pressure sensor, uh, depending where we say past a certain level of pressure, then there's a high chance that this is a major damage or a minor damage which should not be covered under excess. Yeah, yeah. I, I know sometimes when, when you receive too much information, it takes time to unpack all of it. And that's how, hey, Linda, Linda, you have something to, to Nini uh, before I continue with my question? No, no, no. Continue with your questions. Because I believe this is something worth giving a shot. I don't know, Motuko, if you have something to respond to what Harris just said. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of very interesting technology out there. So for one of the things that he mentioned, we've been looking at partners, local and foreign, who've been working on things like vision-based algorithms. So imagine you're in a small accident, places like Globe Roundabout, eh, where cars are driving really close. And your car is scratched, a bit dent, dented. There's actually systems out there where you take your phone now to take a picture and it can come back and tell you how much that damage will be. So with that, combined with the telematics and everything else, I could theoretically see within the next three to five years where immediately that accident happens, you've taken pictures and you already know whether or not you'll be covered, you already know how much you'll be covered for. By the time you're getting to the garage, it's just a formality. It's just a matter of like pulling all these solutions together in one uh, go and then creating a seamless uh, a seamless feel for the for the customer on the other side. But I guess we have to start somewhere. And where we are now is a kind of, we're first trying to build that telematics and then build all those things on top of it. Yeah, very interesting. Now, uh, Mutuko, some of us like to track our cars going to the track. I don't know whether, and that would require the score. So I don't know if there's a way of knowing that we're on a track right now. Maybe you don't need to be that serious about... Uh, yeah, the, 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 the beauty... <laughs> 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 well, the, the, the beauty of this is like, uh, and, and I think one of the advantages that we have as a company compared to many other people is we are the ones building it. Uh, it's not me going to some us-based firm and telling them okay give me your software and then i'll apply it in kenya so if there are certain behaviors that are peculiar to our customer base then we can always tweak and remove and add an example is today i was talking to one of these electric uh, mobility companies and i went there installed and then we were watching the telemetry and things coming out of that and because electric bikes are very silent they have a completely different profile from the petrol bikes, ICE bikes. And so, you know, from our perspective, I had to call our team to do a completely new configuration that supports electric bikes. So if you're going for a track day, it's very easy for us to say, well, here's this geofence where if someone is within that geofence, you know, treat it as track mode, for example. 
And we also actually yeah. did quite a bit of work around with go-karts because we, we, you know, again, when we were investigating this whole area, we found that there's no good solutions for go-karts. The only ones that are there are super expensive to analyze uh, driving and be able to give people the fun aspect. You know, like when you're watching Formula One and then you're seeing all these cool gadgets from the AWS thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that stuff is not hard for us to do. We just need someone willing to pay us to do that for them. So, you know, <laughs> racing people are the ones who are, you know, most likely to be able to pay for that kind of stuff. That is actually my next question. I wanted to know if while I'm on track, you can make me go faster from data. <laughs> make you go faster? Like, uh, you probably need a coach who would input the right kind of line <laughs> and whatever to to pull for a car of different weights, different shapes, different sizes, because they all have different centers of gravity. What I can do is I can come back and tell you, compared to Harris, who was five seconds faster than you, on this corner, he was at 90 kilometers per hour. You were at 70. So yeah. his line went this way. Your line went that way. So then when you're going next time, you're able to try and move closer to his line because maybe you can get more speed or you can hold more speed taking a line like his. Those are now the kind of coaching things you can do around driving. Um, and actually, it's a very interesting, it would be very interesting for us to meet a lot of the, 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 the track community to try and put together a product for them. I, I watch I watch Formula One and I know those guys use a lot of data in terms of how they took their car. Also, how to drive, like braking points, acceleration, and if there's like a headwind, tailwind, it, there's so many things. And in in my head, I imagine that tech is like far away from me. Like, but now, like I know, like somebody like you can do something about it or come with it with with, with some a product based on it. It's very very interesting. I'm a Linda Nonaje. Because Linda, Linda, unakopaka kuingia truck sana. I drive here. I've never seen you. Mungu, si mimi ndio nachukua masaa. I'm the one who oh, wait, the timing. You're just there with the clock. You know, I got you guys. But one day, one day, I will see. I will see to it that I try. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe with, with a different car. With a different car. Now, the good thing mm. is that on track days, you don't need to call the clock anymore when we are there. We, we, we yeah, have... exactly. Linda, I'm not So, the other thing I wanted to know is like, in your ideal scenario, or maybe you have made these projections, like what percentage of cars do you need to have? Would need to have this system in order for you to say like the data that we have is a sure thing, like because if you have like a hundred cars, th- that that is just a sample, but you you are not sure whether it represents the whole. Like what percentage do you think that you need to attain such that you can say this is like more or less Kenyan driving style? And when you come up with products, you you are like very confident that uh, this product will suit this kind of people this product will suit this kind of people you'd be surprised huh? for various reasons we're not allowed to like legal reasons we haven't been able to like do a wide launch so we've not actually had that many vehicles on the road but because we've been perfecting our algorithms for the better part of a year and a bit even with a few cars on the road we've started seeing like very strong patterns we were able to like one of the things that we noticed was we're able to cluster like we we, we took a cohort of about 50 and then did a lot of analysis around their driving over the last eight months and we got four distinct peaks basically telling us that like even from like 50 vehicles there was 
roughly four driving styles, driving patterns in there. So obviously, the more the data we get, the, the more we will, you know, stratify along different dimensions. But it's not, I don't think it's a question of the number of cars. It's a question of the number of kilometers driven by different drivers. So with up to about like 400 or so, 500 drivers on the road, we will already have more than enough sample to be able to start saying representatively. I mean, especially if all those 500 are located in one area. Because again, remember, if someone is driving on Pika Road morning to evening and or Mombasa Road morning to evening, those guys are facing the same kind of... I mean, Mombasa Road once it's finished, not now, but like they're facing the same kind of road. But someone who's driving in Kilimani every day where... He's never passing 40 or 50. Like there's a completely different style of driving in an area where there, there isn't a lot of, sorry, there's a lot of traffic. So you're not able to go quick. Someone who is in, I don't know, Nakuru will have a different driving pattern because the, the traffic pattern there is very different. So, so long as you have not many, 50, 100 vehicles in all these areas, you start getting a very representative pattern for the kind of risks people face in the different areas. Well, interesting about data. I don't know how much you can you can tell us about the data that you get. Is there a data like with age and the driving styles? Because there's this notion that young drivers are dangerous, or maybe they're the ones who cause accidents. But you 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 at the point where you have at least some data. I don't know if the data you have supports such kind of uh, thoughts. I, now, for those kinds of conclusions, you probably need a lot of data. Because right now, we're just looking at drivers as autonomous entities without any other profile there. We're just looking at driving style. Uh, I guess to answer your question, we're not yet there. But then if you look at the literature, one of the reasons that telematics was introduced in many Western countries was a way to make it uh, cheaper for young people to drive. Um, I was talking to a person who runs a telematics company in the UK, and he told me, I remember this example really clearly. He drives, I think, an XC60, and I think the car costs oh, something oh. like, yeah, it costs like £40,000. Huh? And he was saying he pays about, and his, his age is what, 45 years old. He said he pays £200 a year in insurance for that £40,000 car. Then he said a person driving like a car worth £3,000 and is 20 years old in the UK would pay £2,000 a year in insurance. Just look at that difference. So a young person is incentivized heavily to get telematics in their car but for him there's no reason like it's really cheap for him compared to the value of his car but then again like they exist in an, in an environment where the person is insured not the car but that kind of thing just tells you the perception of people and uh, the, the perception that young drivers drive worse and are riskier and so you need extra metrics to figure out how good or how bad they are yeah there's another one we have here of, uh, when you're trying to sell a car you say it's lady driven but i think we can even have more data about you just don't say like lady driven to, to like to hike the price or anything i don't know if you have about a uh, driving style of gender anything maybe you can tell us from data not maybe the perception of the community uh, we don't have enough data there. I can tell you just from life evidence, <laughs> I don't think that thing is true. <laughs> but like, again, one of the things that we want to do and some of the products that we are pushing right now when we're working with asset financiers and leasing people is to be able to tell how well or how badly a car is being driven so that if the vehicle is going to be resold or repossessed or in the case of a lease, going to be brought back and released again they can very easily tell which cars need more repair than which ones on the basis of 
how much vibration has this car gone through. There's a concept of the iCare kilometer that we are working on, where instead of looking at, yes, this car has done 10,000 kilometers, it's a, a kilometer additional multiplied by the roughness and the kind of treatment the car has gotten so that you get a better idea of which one is a safer car and which one's uh, an unsafe car. Because again, if you drive your car on very smooth roads, morning to evening, never hit potholes. And that's why the vehicles that come into Kenya from abroad, a car could be at 80k kilometers and it's perfect. Then it comes to Kenya and does another 20k kilometers in a Lala garage every day. So now we're able yeah. to empirically show with our data which car is going to be the one Yakulala garage and which car will be a good car for you to own. So if the car has been logged with our system since it came into the country, we'd be able to give you that level of information. And that's one of the things that we see will be a value add from our service in, you know, in the long run. Yeah, that's very interesting. When you're going to buy a car and you say, let me see the, the score maybe for the last, maybe you say you have owned the car for the last two years. As yeah. a buyer can ask for a score and see how well you've been driving the car. Exactly, yeah. A- anytime you're talking and I'm thinking about it, I'm seeing so much possibility, so many possibilities about how you understand a car and how you understand even mobility. Because if you're talking about changing behavior all the way to insuring, to accident, to like even purchasing a car, it's like it's everywhere. I'm impressed. Yeah, and I think one of the problems, and um, as I've been going on working on this, one of the interesting concepts I saw is around the vehicle ownership life cycle. So it starts off with purchase, maintenance, risk, and then resale. And, you know, through all those parts, there's a lot of data that we have available through that vehicle life cycle that can help owners, can help you know people to be able to make better decisions around whatever they're doing. Maintenance, you know, sometimes that, uh, okay, if you have a modern car, then on the, your dashboard will be screaming at you, telling you like your service is due, service is due, service is due. So it reminds you. But there's many people on our roads that have vehicles that don't remind them. It's written on that small piece of paper from, from Shell or whatever company that that uh, you need to go at this number of kilometers and that piece of paper was taken out at a car wash and you don't remember. You'll only remember the day when your car is not working properly and now the mech comes back with a hundred things that are not working. But you see now it's very easy for a system that's also counting the kilometers you're doing to tell you on your phone, regardless of whether you have a 2020 model car or a 1990 model car, tell you that like, yeah, I think at 5,000, you hit 5,000, go get your car checked, go get your tires checked. And I think that's the kind of things that will help improve road safety in the country when the cars are being maintained well. When you're you're getting better insurance, you're able to feel safe on the road. Uh, One thing that I love and a product that one of the first products I want to push like I'll be driving my family from Nairobi to Mombasa and I'm always very acutely aware that you know comprehensive insurance does not cover the vehicle occupants so if you get into an accident your medical cover is the one that will come in not the comprehensive cover yet you could get some sort of cover that covers you for the duration of a trip like a road trip type of insurance which you get into the car you're about to take off with your family you just write like yes I'm going to Mombasa with five people in the car Here's my quote. And that kind of product is not that expensive. It could end up being like a K for your family of five. And because you're going to put full tank of 8K, 10K, like that extra K gives you that peace of mind that if anything happens, there'll be quick service for us. Uh, We'll get some cash to take us to hospital or uh, lift us or whatever. Very simple product that doesn't need a lot of data, but would give people a lot of peace of mind during the holiday season. So there's 
tons of stuff you can do to help people during their ownership journey of a vehicle. Okay, the other thing I wanted to know, I wanted to get an insight of, you said you're working with some insurance company. I don't know, is there a challenge in that or is it like smooth sailing? How is it? How how hard is it for you to like push the you, 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 the tech to, to be adopted by these companies? Do, do any of you guys work for an insurer? <laughs> <laughs> Before I say stuff and then so, I blacklist. You don't, don't mention names, just, 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 just mention names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well like in all honesty insurers are very um risk averse so i don't think i've talked to any insurer who said no but at the same time all these people who are saying yes and are excited you know will still take the better part of two years to make a simple decision around solutions like this so i think that's a part now where i think insurance is shooting itself in the foot and other people are taking the lead on that, they're, they're way, way, way too conservative. And, you know, if you look at banks versus telcos, you know, banks could have created M-Pesa a long time ago. They were way conservative. What happened is now the biggest bank in Kenya is Paricom. So it's the same thing with insurance. If they're not careful, like, you know, in companies like mine and other companies will find ways legally of getting into this space. Because right now, <clears throat> the biggest blocker is just the cost of a license. If I could get a license at a cheap rate, then I would, you'd probably all have my solution in your cars right now. So th- they, there's a lot of legacy thinking around, well, how will we keep the brokers happy? How will we keep these people happy instead of, well, here's a product, this is what customers want, give them what they need. They, they're all looking at like from the perspective of the interests of people who built, you know, whole industries around that insurance industry. And so it makes it very hard to be the person who comes out and boldly says, I'll do things differently. I understand, I understand, because there's already an established chain and you coming in sort of cuts that chain or cuts how people feed off insurance and I'm, I'm yeah. sure you might find many some, some resistance to it. Yeah, I mean, just imagine like if you went and told people that a claim will be sorted in two days as opposed to one month, then the whole operations flow will start getting worried because if tech is going to solve this in two days, what what will my job be? Why is the reason that I go home at 10 p.m. every day? Paris? Uh, maybe just to be able to support more from Otuko. I, I, I work with an insurance firm. And, <laughs> and I, work, I am I'm in the yeah. digital space, automation of the business processes, and just to try and make sure that we try and do away with all this, okay, not in a bad way, these people call the agents, because... Some of them are pain in an ass, but uh, what you're saying is true. It's a very, very painful process. We tried, we automated some few systems, motor insurance, purchase of motor cover, travel insurance, and this is just in the entire of Africa. Uh, it's a pan- Pan-African company, but the challenges that we are facing in Kenya or just in East Africa are, are insane. And what you're saying, and let me let me just be open, I wouldn't be shocked that if Safaricom will be the next biggest insurer in Kenya, because they are really pushing so that they can be able to get that license. If insurance can become more innovative and think outside the box, I think they can be a very big industry, even a way, way bigger industry than even the banking industry. Because insurance penetration in Kenya is just like around 5%. But the type of reasoning and adoption of products into the market is still very rigid and all still more the supporter on the Babylonian way of doing things and they are not yet into our current way of doing things. They, they never take things very fast. You see, I think 
there are quite many a number of opportunities they should even not be jumping into these things of meat and nfts trying to insure people but it is a little bit very slow it will take time as a challenge so i think with such an innovative idea the moment you get an ira license i think it can do wonders and especially to with the young people uh, who are fascinated by the tech and what is happening in the industry and reform the bigger part of the country then i think we'll be really much excited to adopt this new solution yeah I'm going to ask this, and after this, I think I've been here long enough. We have learned a lot. So, Mutuko, there's one thing I wanted to ask you. The final thing is, what can for me and maybe the guys in the room or other motorists, is there anything that we can do to help uh, such tech be in our car? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But but by my service. <laughs> <laughs> but but installing your service is too expensive. We need and then again it's, you see I cannot like say what you are offering I'll just get a score. But I would want whereby if, even the insurance even from what you've talked about emergency response and all that to get all that benefit as a single package. You see you, you are not offering that. You need other people. You just as you said there you have APIs that link with uh, with, with those companies. For example, the, the product that I was telling you around the ambulance dispatch and safety and all of that is a product that we will be releasing soon. It will include everything. So we will be putting together that whole package except insurance as a starting point. You know, you have to start from somewhere. So the early adopters and as I was saying people like um the, the the track kind of people, one of the things that we've been, you know, thinking about creating is some also competitive stats for people who are going out for track days. You know, th- those kinds of early adopting people will be able to show other people like aspirational kind of product. If you're able to go show someone a dashboard and you can show them how you compare to Lewis Hamilton in your cornering or to Sebastian Lowe, you know, that kind of thing, then the adoption will pick up because you have to start from somewhere. And I think the easiest place to start from is with an aspirational group. When I, when I looked at parents, for example, if for that cluster of, or that class of people who have drivers to take their kids to school, you know, if those parents are having a parent's day and everyone is saying, oh, you know, my driver drives like this, huh? my driver is great. And then you're sitting there thinking, oh, I am the only one who's not watching my my kid with a, who's my kid's driver. Like it, it puts some peer pressure on you to go get the product, and then slowly what gets out. Now, in terms like one of the ways that I think you guys can help is if you came back to me and told me, well, as a consumer, this is what would interest me a lot. And within your circles, you're also clear about like, yeah, this this kind of product would interest us a lot. As I said, as a data company, we have all the data. Like, there's a lot of magic we can do with that data. So it's just up to you guys to come and tell us. Well, I would pay for this. I'd be interested in that, and and be vocal about that. And you know, like, because people have been very vocal about the insurance that we have right now is not working for us. Insurance is too expensive. Uh, claims take too long. So we are working very hard to build products around that people have been very vocal as i mentioned with the, the the safety road safety so we're working very hard to produce products around road safety so if you come in and tell me like these are the kind of things we'd like to see then we will try and build products for people like you because one of the trends that you've noticed a lot in tech just given now going back to the general theme of um you know tech in kenya in our lives you know if, if you look at the evolution of like economies there was a point at which economies of scale worked where you built one size fits all for everyone so larger farms 
you know, unified products. Everyone started wearing suits to go to the office. Everyone looked exactly the same. Now, if you look at culture right now and how people are interacting thanks to where we are as a, as a society, it's very individualistic. So now everyone cares about being an individual and everyone wants to be treated as an individual. I look at a future where every single person will have their own, you know, banking product. So will be able to create their own bank. Every single person will have their own bespoke insurance product that covers the risks that they face, not thinking about it in terms of classes like motor and health and whatever else. It's just like, well, this is John insurance product because it covers what John cares about in his life. And all those risks are covered in one go. And to get there, I think you need to have individual pockets of data around John where if we, and then automations around that, where if we create that one product, you're happy with it. And so it, it, it's also now you speaking out about what's important to you and then eventually we'll be able to get there for you. Wow, that's, that's the way to go because especially now we have more avenues of expressing ourselves, you know, speaking, have such forums like these ones. And also we are, we are in like interest, same interest kind of groups. Like I'm in a car group and it's something that I would easily discuss with my fellow many. So I think that's a good way to start and creating a buzz around there could be better solutions to what we're having right now. And I think if if us people really like really, really want it, eventually we're going to get it.